looking back on so many big adventures that I've been able to take, it's really shaped me as the person that I am now. I really just think that traveling frees your mind in a way that as a creative person, you you need to have that sort of openness and thought-provoking experiences. Like if it's not going to be epic or possibly death-defying, then why go there? Please fasten your seatbelts and return your seats to their upright positions. We are now beginning our final approach to The Ginny Show. Now, if you've watched popular shows like Sex in the City and Gossip Girl, or if you've had a chance to raid your closet for a bit, chances are that the name Cynthia Rowley isn't completely foreign to you. To many people, she's the iconic fashion designer and podcaster, setting runways literally on fire during her infamous fashion shows in the 80s. However, I learned that there's so much more to Cynthia Rowley, especially when she travels. Moving to New York can be quite the experience. Especially if where you grew up was a whole lot quieter and smaller. And like most of us who moved to the Big Apple, we generally come here with a few suitcases to unpack at an overpriced rental and a big dream we want to live in the city that never sleeps. I came to New York with nothing but a dream and some pocket change and drove here from Illinois in a U-Haul with some sewing machines. Just very naively started making clothes. And I think that that time in my life, I was had such a optimistic dream that I was just gonna do everything and see everything and you know growing up in a small town I couldn't wait to get here there was no experience that you know I would ever turn down someone would say do you want to do this yes do you want to go here definitely I think that that's really just being in awe of this city and I know exactly what she means Moving to New York and experiencing all it has to offer as a resident is really unlike anything else in the world. The garment district was crazy then. It was it was a time when 7th Avenue was really the center of it all. There would be guys pushing racks of clothing down 7th Avenue and bolts of fabric and You'd see models and celebrities going for fittings, and it was so dreamy. And really everything that I had always heard about in the fashion world 
very glamorous. Of course, I wasn't glamorous. I was in a tiny little kind of hole-in-the-wall studio in the worst part of the garment district. But, you know, it was my place, and I worked endlessly. Moving to a city that already has so many movers and shakers there, especially in the 80s, can sometimes feel too good to be true. So I asked Cynthia if New York City was everything she thought it would be. Way more when I got here, you know, taxis everywhere on the street. Like, you don't have taxis in a small town in Illinois. The carts with the soft pretzels and hot dogs, and for $2 I could have lunch and be so happy, and the smells and the sounds and the conversations you would hear, and and these old Garmento guys that they just sort of took me under their wing a little bit, and they would teach me the ropes. I knew nothing. I was so naive. I really was like, wait, there's factories that'll make the clothes for me? I don't have to sew it myself? I mean, I was so really, really, really naive. And so everything was a bonus, like everything was a plus. I would set tiny little goals for myself and say, oh, if only I could get a write-up in Women's Wear Daily. And then I did, and I could feel like, wow, I really accomplished something. And, you know, this is working, even though I was like living on popcorn and taking the subway to go see store buyers. And, you know, one time I, it was really hot in the summer and I was showing my fall collection, which was big and bulky and heavy, and I was carrying it myself. I got off the subway and right in front of the store, I think it was Bloomingdale's, I fainted, but the garment bag broke my fall. And I just kind of got up, brushed myself off and went in and sold the clothes, you know, so it was really (laughs) things like that, that the worst, 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 most dire situations then would result in some little achievement that would push me forward. For those of us who arrive in the Big Apple with a dream and are blessed enough to be living it, there can sometimes be a moment of reflection. It's that moment where all the hard work, the hustle, the goals that you set for yourself and those tireless hours that have been put in day in, day out, all disappear when you have this particular moment. It's that moment when you realize that you're actually living your dream, that dream that you came to New York City for. I never really knew what I was doing, so I would just kind of, in that sort of fake it till you make it kind of philosophy, I would just get to the next step and be like, okay, now what do I do? You know, now what do I do? And I would just kind of go with my gut and do what creatively was going to make me happy. And so I would find myself in these situations that were way beyond my knowledge or my experience. And I would just, sometimes I would confess and say, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing, but you know, I promise if you believe in me, I'll, I'll make it perfect for you. Just little by little, lots and lots of hard work and hours and hours and hours. I would work all day. I lived and worked in this 
this loft that, you know, was great because it was a, you know, a little more space than I would have had, but it also meant that there was no end to the work that needed to be done, you know, until I was just too tired to keep going. And just little by little, people started to notice and stores started to buy and editors started to write about it. For an entrepreneur who's creating and envisioning a new product or service, what can really be that cherry on top for success is when you see other people starting to believe, believe in you and the vision that you have for yourself. I had done this collection that was really fun and inspired by Vegas. And I used to do crazy shit on the runway, like stuff that you people would be like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> like I had Elvis impersonate. Hey, little angel. It was insane. Like I would do, yeah. I've done like really crazy runway experiences because I, I believe that you're going to ask all these people to come and see your work, you better have something that's going to entertain them as well. And so I lit a runway on fire with a fuse and I had candy glass that a model like kicked out and like stomped over on the, the runway and bands and, you know, just like fearless, fearless. Yeah. And I remember, you know, and all those things are expensive and I never had partners or funding. And so I was just kind of making ends meet. And I remember my accountant told me, this is not going well. Like you're going to run out of money and I don't know what you're going to do, but maybe you better bail. And then the next day, the CFDA, the Council of Fashion Designers of America called me and said, you won the CFDA award for best new designer. It was like those kind of roller coaster moments, those ups and downs that it's still, you know, it's still like every day as a business owner, there's ups and downs and you just get used to it and you just try to focus on the positive, push through the negative, learn from your mistakes and keep going. And it never gets easier, it just is different. And all along the way, I've just had a really, 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 really fun time. From the runways to winning awards for her design work, New York City was a very different place to where Cynthia grew up. And one of the incredible advantages of having the recognition of being an internationally known designer was she had the opportunity to travel extensively. But this wasn't always the case. My dad was a school teacher and so our vacations were get in the car with the camping equipment and take off for the summer and it was very unglamorous but in my mind I had to sort of glamorize things and think that we were going on this big adventure when we were really just maybe going three states over and hoping that there would be flush toilets in the campground so so we bologna sandwiches and the you know at a truck stop and you know it was really very humble upbringing for cynthia it's really always been about the journey and being able to travel and move around has really shaped that it's not only 
as they say, the destination, it's the journey. And the journey begins when you start planning and dreaming and thinking about where can I go? I'm planning some things, but also (laughs) then looking back on so many big adventures that I've been able to take, it's really shaped me, I guess, as the person that I am now. Yeah. Not necessarily, like people always ask, do you go for inspiration? You know, when you travel, do you get inspired? And it's not really like being inspired directly. I mean, there's definitely no cultural appropriation in my life. I really just think that traveling frees your mind in a way that as a creative person, you you need to have that sort of openness and thought-provoking experiences. And again, like risky, there's definitely been some scary moments. Yeah. Many, many, many. Basically, I always say like, if it's not, like I say it about shows, if it's not a 50-50 chance, it'll be epic or the end of my career, then why do it? And I kind of feel like that with travel. Like if it's not gonna be epic or possibly death-defying, then why go there? <laughs> Being all in on the runway, taking risks and providing an experience for her audiences, Cynthia Rowley carries the same attitude over when it comes to travelling. For her, it was childhood camping in Illinois. And now it's taking her children camping in the Himalayas. I've taken them on such crazy trips that now they just want to go to like a bougie spa resort or something. Like they definitely are not down with the like camping in the Himalayas in a tent, which I made them do. I like a sort of planned and very unplanned vacation or trip. So we went to Bhutan, we were staying in a really beautiful place. It was so amazing and very, comfortable and beautiful and I was like guys I think I got this guy to take us up to the top of one of the foothills of the Himalayas where we can camp overnight in a tent and wake up above the tree line and blah 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 they're like no we don't want to leave and I was like come on we're going yeah we ended up trekking for an entire day up this mountain that Gigi's the youngest person at age nine to scale this mountain in the Himalayas. And we ate fiddle tree ferns for dinner above the tree line. We slept in these tiny flimsy little tents with hot water bottles under our beds because it was so freezing up there. And it snowed over a foot when we were asleep. So we woke up in like deep snow and we had to trek down because Gigi was puking the whole way from altitude sickness. And so we had to carry her. We had to take turns carrying her. And Kit was 14 and she had to carry her little nine-year-old sister piggyback down part of it. And we had a guide who he carried her and she puked on his shoulder. Wow, okay. I might see where your kids are coming from there. I mean, like, it was just crazy, but we ended up at Tiger's Nest, the most epic, beautiful monastery nestled in the Himalayan mountains. And we hiked down to that. That's how high up we were. 
and they hated every minute of it, but <laughs> they'll never forget it. It is really tucked into these cliffs on the side of the mountain that you walk on a little path that's maybe two feet wide in some places and then drops down hundreds of thousands of feet. Like people have died, people have, yeah, it's really, it's very dangerous and it was slippery in the snow. We weren't, we didn't have the right gear or anything, but it's so beautiful. It's kind of a famous spot that you, I'm sure, have seen photos of this historic site. It's painted beautiful red and white colors and the prayer flags and the air is so crisp and really like just so clean and and inside it was I think it was an active monastery until not that long ago so you know there are monks that lived there when we were hiking up a couple days before you would see these little homemade kind of they're almost like bird's nests but they're yeah monks that go and live in solitude in these little huts built into the mountains where their food is like raised up with ropes and buckets to them and they pray and live in solitude for sometimes a year or more and it was just an experience that I can't even explain really. Wow, what an incredible experience and privilege to be able to share that with your kids, no matter how unhappy they were in that moment. Cynthia, I think it's safe to say that your idea of a fun family vacation might be a little bit different to most people's. My idea of a fun vacation is like, we found ourselves in Senegal, and I rented this little house on this tiny little island that so we could surf. We're a big surfing family, but the only way to get to the house was to go down to a random beach, find a guy named Omar, who was gonna take us in his little boat, and this is at 11 o'clock at night, take us in his little wooden boat on a tiny little motor, which was so like, it was kind of scary. Across this bay, to an island where we had to walk then around and find some other guy. I think his name was Omar too. Um, And find this house, which was like not great, but kind kind of cool. Anyway, that kind of thing where you're like whizzing across a black sea in a tiny little rowboat with a full moon, I was like, this is it, guys. This is the most amazing experience. And they were so, like, not having it at all. Yeah. But, you know, we just, we got to see things that we never would have been able to experience. I guess you could say mother knows best. Being raised in Australia, you could say I have some biases about my homeland particularly when I hear travellers talk about just how beautiful the country is. The Great Southern Land takes a bloody long time to get to from some parts of the world, yes. But once you get there and you can look past a few scary looking animals, 
you find that the thousands of miles you've traveled from to a place with people with odd sounding accents is that it's all the worthwhile. I think Australia is magical. About 12 years ago when I first launched my wetsuits and surf and swim, I was asked to come to Australia for the launch. And we had a big party at Icebergs in Sydney and did a runway show. And we, everything about Australia was beautiful. It's just happiness personified. People were so welcoming. And so it was a a magical place for me. I was able to go back then to Melbourne. I went back to Sydney again. And then right before we went into lockdown, it was the last place that I traveled to for Christmas, New Year's 2019. We went to Byron Bay, surfed with sharks. With sharks? I mean, there's so many sharks there. Dude, it was gnarly. There's so many sharks there. But you know, you don't bother them, they don't bother you, right? (laughs) I'm not sure about that. I wouldn't take that risk, so I wouldn't know. It can't be worse than having altitude sickness in the Himalayas. (laughs) Oh yeah, I guess it can. Yeah, so we were there, we were in Byron. Beautiful, the food, the people, the lifestyle, everything is just like beautiful, 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 healthy, happy. I feel like we really need to expand on the shark element just a bit. Like I'm blown away that you really live by that philosophy. If it's not gonna be epic, why try it? I mean, this is so epic to be swimming with sharks, but what was it like actually being in the water? Did you fall in? How do you survive that? That's my question. We went to other spots in Byron and there's one that's sort of notoriously sharky near the lighthouse. We surfed there and, you know, we could see them. Not that close, but we knew they were there. And it's hard to describe, but like a wave comes and there's like a tran the water gets a little transparent and you can see them in the water. And then we, afterwards, we walked up this long path to the top of this hill where the lighthouse is and looked down and we were like, holy shit, there's like a billion sharks down there. And we were in that water. (laughs) (laughs) And you were all chill up in your lighthouse. (laughs) Once again, my kids were like, mommy. It was camping in the snow in the Himalayas, swimming with sharks in Australia. Traveling with kids can often be something that deters parents from going to new places. So it gets me wondering, just how many mummy, where are you taking us moments that Cynthia Rowley have with her kids? We went to Egypt and we got there and they were like, whoa, this is incredible. You know, we saw the Sphinx and the pyramids and they're like, how did you pick this place? First of all, we went for five days because I'm like Thanksgiving break. Kids are off school. Okay, we're going. I don't care how far it is. And we get there and they were like, how did you figure that, uh, you know, why did you want to go here? And I was like, well, I was in this taxi and the taxi driver was, they're like, stop right there. This whole trip was because you talked to a taxi driver who said it was okay for us to go, that it was safe for us to go. And then they were kind of scared, but it was fine. It was totally fine. And it was (laughs) actually amazing. Being from the Midwest, you know, I talked to everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah. New Yorkers don't talk to the guy at the deli. They don't talk to someone at the dry cleaners or whatever, but I talk to everyone. So getting in a taxi, I'm always like, how's your day going? You know, what's up? Where are you from? Start a conversation. I think that might actually be how I ended up in Senegal also. There you have it, folks. Travel tip from the fashionista herself. Taxi drivers are the new travel agents. The thing about travel is that the curious explorer in us is ignited. In one moment, we're marvelling at something truly magical. And in the next, we are in a completely new country or place, sleeping at the foot of a mountain or taking in yet another breathtaking view. We can each feel like a kid again, exploring and about to go on yet another adventure. For Cynthia, it's no different. As a little kid, I had one of those GAF Viewmasters where you would click and the little picture would come into the binocular-like eye thing. And it was, the, it was the seven wonders of the world. And I remember thinking, oh, someday I'm gonna see all this. I'm gonna do this. And so going and seeing the Sphinx, you know, all I needed was somebody to say, oh, you should do this and just book the flights and go. There was a time we were, we were in Africa, we were stopped. We had to stop on a smaller plane in Kilimanjaro and then we were taking, switching planes and going to Nairobi and then eventually home. And we stopped in Kilimanjaro and I had met this guy on the plane and he was a really nice guy. We were talking, talking and I was like, we were saying goodbye then and like, oh, he's American. And we were like, I said, where where are you going now? And he's like, oh, I'm going to Zanzibar. And I looked at them and I was like, kids, grab your bags. We're going to Zanzibar. <laughs> and we just left. We just got off the plane and didn't get on the next plane. And we got, we bought tickets to Zanzibar. And we went to Zanzibar for two days. And we got there at night, it was Easter weekend, so nothing was open, there were no hotels, it was pitch dark, it was very sketchy, very sketchy. And the guy that I had met was like, well, I'm staying in this hotel, let me see if we can get you a room. And we got a room and we saw all of Zanzibar and then got back on the plane went to Nairobi and came home. Oh, that's fantastic. And amazing that you're willing and able to be that flexible with your plans. That's why you never check luggage. Is that your advice to all travelers? Never check luggage? Don't check. (laughs) Never check. Well, I think that's an incredibly impressive feat that you're a fashion designer and that you can fit an entire vacation wardrobe into a carry-on. When you're thinking about jetting off on your next adventure... How spontaneous do you plan to be? Are you that traveler that needs to have a set itinerary and know exactly where you're going? Or are you like Cynthia, where you embrace adventure in all its glory and go with the flow? If there's one thing that this episode has reminded me of, it's just how traveling is one way to free your mind. Because let's face it, most of us live in our minds. We need that retreat, whether it be meditation or exercise to get into our bodies during our day to day. 
And that's one of the reasons why we are generally happier when we travel. It's because we give ourselves permission to unwind, to marvel, to experience and to be in our bodies. We give ourselves permission to live and actually be present. See you on our next adventure, my friends.